right. Well, hey, good morning. My name is Mark. I'm the uh, executive pastor here. I am, have to be honest, I am, I am really, really excited about uh, talking about this conversation uh, in the Gospels this morning and Matthew and the interaction that, that Jesus had with the tax collector Matthew. It is it's something in my story and journey that was just really transformational. There's just some, some truth here, just some uh, I like stories, and so I like uh, watching this interaction and all the things that we can pick up from, from it about who Jesus is and what he cares about and what he does and what he wants from us and uh, the character of the God that we follow and worship, and uh, just really powerful. And kind of to kick us off, uh, <laughs> give a picture of this. I, I've told you before, if you've been around for a while, I, uh, I interact with a group that lives overseas in South Asia. And I go there pretty often and do different types of training and uh, counseling and that sort of thing. And went back in November and spent some time with them. And there's this one guy. I've been doing that for about two, two and a half years. And there's, you know, it's kind of fun to get to know this group. It's a pretty big group. And there's one guy named Matt. And Matt, how could I describe Matt? Matt is just, just pretty chill. Uh, you know, he's the guy that's not really trying to bring a lot of attention to himself. He's the guy in the discussion. You can tell he's really smart and like whatever you're talking about, you know, those wheels are spinning and he's really thinking on it, but rarely says a whole lot, but just is thinking. Um, when he does, it's something really profound. And you're like, oh, 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 yeah, you know, it's that, he's that guy. Uh, he's the tech guy. So whenever we're having some kind of presentation, he's the one running the computer and the one you ask those questions to. And, um, and so everybody has kind of had Matt in that box whatever that box is, me included. Well, this last trip in November, after I came back, that group stayed a little bit longer, and they went to this restaurant that happened to have a stage and karaoke. And so people were stepping up there and, and, you know, singing and things. And somebody had heard Matt at some point. His brother is actually one of the, also one of the people that are on this team. And he had mentioned at some point that he could play the guitar. And so they pushed him and pushed him and pushed him. He's like, no, 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 no. And I knew he wouldn't sing, but hey, would you play the guitar? Play the guitar, whatever. Finally, he gets up on stage, and this happens. I've got, I got the video because it just, uh, I can't do it justice. came unglued. I don't know what I like best. I don't know if I like the brother in the background going, that's my bro, or the, uh, the Thai guy trying to sing, sing it, going, thunder, thunder. Uh, but, uh, but since then, as I started to dig a little bit more, evidently this Matt guy is like an extreme sports junkie and is in this whole other box than what I had him in. And the reason I think that this conversation that we're going to look at today has been so big for me 
is that it, it's kind of that thing. Like I, I grew up uh, maybe having Jesus in this one box and thinking about him in this one way and who he is and what he wants from me kind of over here. And then all of a sudden I just kind of stopped and realized that, um, that maybe he's doing something different and bigger and maybe I missed it a little bit. So let's look at it today. I'm really praying that uh, however that needs to meet you where you are, that that would, that would happen this morning. So it's Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 9, and I'll just read it. It's a short section, and then we'll kind of come back and break it down. So Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at a tax booth, and he said to to him, follow me. And he rose, and he followed him, just immediately, like like Charlie was looking at last week. And as Jesus reclined uh, reclined at table, In the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I came to call the right, not the righteous but the sinners. So here we have Jesus is moving along, and it looks a lot like last week. He, he sees this tax collector sitting there, which, I mean, no, nobody likes the tax man, right? So uh, that's, that's uh, multi-generational and cultural. But if you've read the Gospels much, you know that especially in this context, that these, these tax collectors took advantage of their position and were really shady characters. And, like, if you were going to call somebody a bad name, that's, that's the one you would choose, man, you tax collector. I mean, they, they just really look low on them. So tax collectors and sinners kind of go together. And Jesus walks by this tax collector's booth and looks at this guy, Matthew, and says, follow me. Now, immediately it's astounding that Matthew gets him and follows him. But I think a lot of the times we miss how incredible it is that Jesus asked him to follow. You know, Charlie hit on this a little bit last week, and it's just, it's just really huge for me that we're looking at these, these fishermen last week, and Jesus comes up and says, come and follow me. This time, he's talking to a tax collector, and he says, come and follow me. I mean, Jesus has taken this position of a, of a spiritual teacher and leader, a, a rabbi. And in this context, a, a rabbi would have a group of followers, of disciples, who would follow him in his way of interpreting the Torah, the, the laws. How do, we, how do we obey? We've got all these laws. Now, how, what does it look like to really live out and obey them? And so these rabbis would call themselves together, kind of their team. And it was a bit of a draft pick. You know, they're going for the guys that have the pedigree, the guys who have the best ACT score, the kind of the cream of the crop, the guys who had memorized it the best already and growing up and kind of got it. And so normally a rabbi would go to the best of the best who deserved to be invited and that other rabbis would probably want as well. They weren't going to the, to the docks and they sure weren't going to the tax collector's booth to pick their team. And so one thing we, we definitely pick up from this is that Jesus stinks at picking friends. Evidently, he just doesn't know what the right kind of team to put together is because he's going to the, the wrong ones. Hey, doesn't it feel good to, to be wanted and invited to be a part of something? I mean, I, I don't know what it was like for you when you were little. I, I remember being in elementary school and somebody, some bully uh, gave me the name Roly Poly because I was uh, kind of plump. 
And, uh, and there was definitely a season there where I didn't, I wasn't the first one chosen to be on the team. And, uh, and then as I got older, like uh, graduating from high school, my, my hope and dream was to be a football coach. And there was another guy that played uh, high school football with me, and he was just really, really, really good. And we were the only two that kind of thought we might play in college. He for sure was going to. Me, mainly, I wanted to be a coach. I mean, I wasn't going to go just walk on somewhere. But, man, if somebody wanted me enough to throw some money my way, like five bucks, I was, gonna, I was, I was like, all right, all right, I'm in. And so we put together our highlight films. His highlight film was really long with a lot of really good highlights. <laughs> they struggled a little bit to pull a few together for me. But we sent those to all the same places. Well, coach started getting calls back from those places because they all wanted to talk to this guy. And then they were like, yeah, Mark can come too. So which that worked good because I got out of school, you know, most of my senior year. But anyway, um, we go on these, these recruiting trips, and they would call him back. And coach would try to wine and dine him and talk to him and offer him the full ride and all the bells and whistles. And he'd walk back out and be like, what happened? Oh, I mean, they, they did this and this and this. Hey, Mark, yeah, you can come on back too. And I walk in. Well, son, we've reviewed your film, and uh, hey, if you want to come with Charlie and walk on, you know, well, maybe, maybe, just maybe, you'll get to, you know, travel with the team to games, you know. So I just won, in fact, one of these places, the, the coach had come from another school and actually told me I should go to the other school, one of his competitors. That's how bad it was. Like, we want you to go play for our competitor. I actually did go on a recruiting trip to that place, and that's the one school that said, hey, we'll offer you a little bit to, to come and play here. We want you here. And you know how felt good it felt just to be wanted? I mean, you guys realize, and if you don't, man, let, let me be the voice of God to you this morning, that Jesus sought you out in all of your brokenness and all of your dirt in all of your darkness, he sought you out and he chose you. He invited you to be a part of his team. He wanted you. This is our Jesus. Not because of your pedigree, not because you had all your things together, but because this is who he is. He goes to those people. He is horrible at picking a team. He, uh, he seems to purposely be choosing the least desirable why would he do such a thing? I got a couple of ideas. I mean, I mean, one, it, it just shows off his power, right? If he can do something in me, he must be incredible. Now, if I had the pedigree, I might be choose, or you might choose, somebody might choose to say, oh, they could do it on their own power. You know, in, in Acts that we were studying uh, at the beginning of the year, of the school year, uh, we saw, I mean, this, this group of uneducated men, everybody goes, who are these guys? Oh, they've been with Jesus. Jesus gets the attention. It's his power that's showing through them because he can. He, uh, he reveals his nature. Our God goes to that group of people, the outsiders, the ones that you wouldn't choose. This is who he is and his character. Then it says, <laughs> so Matthew agrees. They start, he starts to follow him, and it says, As Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. Now, 
I think what happens a lot of time when we read the Gospels or we read the Bible, like, we just kind of blah, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And we try to, we put together from our experiences or past sermons we've heard or whatever, and we just, we miss some obvious points. Did y'all catch what just happened? Jesus said, come and follow. Matthew follows. And where do they go? To Matthew's house. And it's not, this is the Matthew passage. I mean, it's, it's repeated again in the other Gospels, and it specifically says they're, they're at Matthew's house. So how about that? Hey, come follow me. And then you're following, and then he walks back down your street. <laughs> you're like, oh, man, all right. And then he goes into your house. You're like, I, I thought we were going somewhere. And this must reveal that Jesus really stinks at directions. You must not know what this follow thing looks like. You follow me, and I'm going to take you where you go, where you are, to your place. Uh, the other day, we had, you know, we had a, a sunny day. Monday, was it, last week? That was really nice. Was that right? <laughs> I didn't think that was funny. Anyway, uh, the, uh, the twins got out of school, and I knew it was nice. And for Christmas, they got these sweet little go-karts that go way too fast. And I was going to take them to the park because they need a lot of space, or they run over stuff, especially Darcy. I think I've already talked about that. But anyway... So uh, we st- I load them up, I put them in, I tell them what we're doing, and we start to drive out to the park, and then I drive right past the turn for the park. And both of them are like, Daddy, 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 the, the, the park, it's right there. Why are, you, why are you not going? It's, the park's right there. And I kept on going, and they just started to be like, where are we going? The park's back there, because they were excited about it. And finally, I let them know, uh, we're headed to Sonic, and we're going to get some of those slushies with the candy in it. Oh, okay, Dad. you just go on, keep on doing what you're doing. That's great. Let's go to Sonic. Yeah, that sounds good. They just didn't know what Daddy was doing, and they were confused by it. And I, I think we do that a lot of times with Jesus as well. Like, we don't get what he's doing, and we have an idea what he should be doing, and then he's not doing. Jesus is doing something really big here with Matthew. He takes him back to his house. Now, why would he do that? Well, Matthew must have friends in low places, right? So instead of trying to go out and find somebody else to help, why not follow Matthew back to his existing relationships and lean on the influence that he already has there? And you don't get the picture that he's up on the table like preaching at the crowd. It says he's reclining with them and they're reclining with him. Sounds like they're at a party hanging out, having a good time at Matthew's house. And Jesus is with Matthew on, in, in those relationships that he had and the influence that he has. And those people also, they know Matthew well enough that they get to witness the life change. All right, this guy was like that yesterday. Now he's encountered this Jesus. And now we can start to watch this thing happen in his life where he used to look like this, but now he's starting to look like this. He's starting to care about things he didn't care about before and not care as much about the things he used to care for. And this thing has happened because they knew him before. And now they get to watch the change. So Jesus didn't pluck him out and go somewhere else. He went back to his house. Then it says the Pharisees, the kind of the religious leaders, they don't like this. And they say to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Evidently, Jesus stinks at caring what people think. Because he didn't try to avoid this conflict. He knew what they were going to say and what they were going to think about what he was doing. But you know what? He almost welcomed it. I also love the fact that they say it to his disciples. And either they said it loud enough and were trying to make sure that he heard it. And I, but I kind of doubt that. 
I think they were probably having a side conversation with his disciples. And here we got Jesus in his Jesus way. He knows what they said, and so he calls them out here in a second. But what do they say? Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Kind of their philosophy was, we, we don't rub shoulders with those people. We, we separate ourselves from those people. We're not like those people. If we rub up too close to them, it might get off, you know, it kind of might, might rub off on us. And we don't want to get dirty. So we're going to keep as far a distance as we can from, from those people. And here Jesus is in the middle of those people with the friends in the low place. You know, a little bit later on in Matthew chapter 11, uh, it's repeated in Luke, so I've got the Luke passage here. Jesus talks about this because he's trying to, you know, this challenge that the Pharisees are giving to him. And he says, hey, uh, John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say he has a demon. So John did that. John separated from and, and did this thing like you're talking about, and you said he had a demon. The Son of Man, Jesus, has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him. He's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So basically, you, you, we're, I'm not, you, you guys aren't going to be happy no matter what we do. If we separate, you're going to be mad. If I, if I engage with them, if we, if we try to not be a part of this group, then, but if we you know, become a part of it, then you're upset at that. And he says, wisdom is justified by her children, which I think is just a really cool line, which... I think my best interpretation of it is time will tell what truth is. Time will tell. I, um, you know, when our family lived overseas for a little bit, we, uh, we really wanted to be a part of the culture as much as we could. We were in a very different place than the place that we had come from, but we were there for a purpose, and, and we wanted to know the people and the reason they did things the way that they did it. And I'm telling you, in India, there are some really weird things that people do. But one thing I love about it is the, the deeper and more I've been around, I'm like, oh, well, that makes sense. Oh, oh well, okay. That actually, some things that, hey, man, that makes more sense than uh, carpet's a great example, man. They don't use a lot of carpet. And I've never really thought about it because I've always liked carpet. But then I'm having a conversation with somebody, and I'm like, man, there's carpet nowhere. And they're like, yeah. How nasty is carpet? And they go on a tangent about how, how all the filth and the stuff that's in our carpet. And now I'm like, man, I don't like carpet anymore. If I go to a hotel and it's got carpet, I'm like, I don't know what's in that carpet, you know? Um, so there's some beautiful things about different cultures, and it was awesome to engage it, but other people that were also there from the U.S. didn't think that same way. And so there were some guys from the South that were riding around on the back of their scooters with BB guns, shooting monkeys. Uh, you weren't really supposed to wear long, I mean, short pants, like shorts, because people just didn't, men just didn't do that. And they were right, wearing their, their shorts and their hats with their, you know, uh, hook, fishing hook up on it, you know, like, like doesn't make any sense to the people around them. It's drinking the sweet tea, which I don't have anything against sweet tea, but it was like, it was like they had set up a southern household and then they would kind of step out every once in a while and talk to somebody and then jump back in to American life inside their, the confines of their place, which historically in mission work is just kind of one of those things that's always been a battle. Are we going to be a part of it or are we not? So anyway, so we're doing church with this family, and we show up one Sunday, and I, because we were doing it different, one of the things that people in the culture did, fellas would wear 
this kind of wrap that's called a dhoti that's real ornate and has really cool stitching and color on it. But it looks a little bit like a dress, you know? It's, it's, it's pretty weird, you know? It, it took me a while. And I was like, but it's really cool, man. And it's like what you do, and that's the thing. And so, so I wear it, and I walk in, and this big old country boy from North Carolina, as soon as I walk in his house, he, he says, hey, I, I, we need to talk. So he takes me back in his kitchen, and I'm like, oh, man, what's happened? What? what? What's going on? He said, Mark, I'm worried about you. Oh, really? What, what did I do? He said, man, I'm not so sure if you're getting to them or if they're getting to you. <laughs> this ain't going to work. And I realized that day it wasn't going to work because we were looking at things really, really, really differently. Here Jesus is. This, this group has one picture of what this looks like, this separation And Jesus has this whole other picture of immersion. That's who the Jesus is that you believe in and follow. He calls Matthew, and then he goes back to his people. Then uh, it says, when he heard it, so uh, somehow he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Evidently, Jesus stinks at making things complicated. Because it doesn't get any easier than that right there, right? I mean, is that just common sense? People who are not sick don't need a doctor. People who are sick need a doctor. You want the quickest recipe for bankruptcy, go spend all your money and get a medical degree and then move to a town that doesn't have any sick people. Or at least nobody thinks they're sick and won't go to the doctor because you won't have any patients. If you've got something, if you've got a cure to a disease, you take it to the place where people need it. This thing that's going on right now in China, if if I had the cure, what should I do? I go to China, right? I mean, that's, that's just what you do. I almost take to illustrate it because I don't want to pretend that we're all ignorant. But the truth is, y'all, that's transformational and revolutionary. We have good news that set us free and gave us life. What do you do with that news? You find people who need good news and who need that message of life and peace, and you give it to them. And you find pockets of darkness and you go and light them up. That's just what you do, and that seems really simple, and we can complicate it a whole lot. But Jesus says it's that cut and dry. That's what he does, and if you follow him, that's where he goes. And then the last thing I see here is Jesus is crazy good at getting the last word. Crazy good. I mean, this is like drop the mic awesome, y'all. He says, go and learn what this means, which I just think is a cool line. So if you're in some kind of fight or whatever, if you want to drop the mic and walk off, just say, go and learn what this means, and then drop some truth and just walk off. It's just, it's just cool, man. Go and learn what this means, he says. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I came to call the right, not the righteous, but sinners. That line, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, is an Old Testament uh, statement from Hosea chapter 6. Talking, God is saying, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. This group would be well, they would have this, this 
the sentence memorized. Uh, actually, in Hosea, this is the way he says it. I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice. The knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. So what is God saying about himself? He's saying, hey, you guys don't, don't miss who I am. I am much less concerned about you dotting the I's and crossing the T's as I am about your heart. I'm concerned about your heart. And you knowing me and me knowing you and us being tight, your, your heart for people. And yes, that results in dotting the I's and the crossing the T's. But I am concerned about this. And then Jesus ties to it and he says, what you just saw today was a picture of that. I'm with this group. I'm doing this thing because I'm doing what my father does. This is how, this is who, this is our nature. This is our character. Love. Not the burnt offerings, but the knowledge of God and the proclamation of who he is. Basically, he says to them, this isn't something new. God already told you guys this. You know, I... I think for a lot of us, and uh, just talking with people, it seems like this picture of God as the, and Jesus as the, as the snooty hall monitor that's over in the corner just waiting for somebody to mess up with the notepad, writing it down, handing out demerits, sending folks to in-school suspension on Saturday. Like, nobody likes him and and it's a little bit like we don't want to talk about that guy. A lot of us picture God as that. And because of that, we've misrepresented who he is. I mean, at least in this passage, it looks like Jesus would have been in in-school suspension. Probably because he was hanging out with the guys who got the demerits, and so the, the hall monitor gave him one too. Even though he wasn't doing anything wrong, he... He was hanging out with, so then he's there in in, in school suspension, and he's getting to know them and caring about them, and those people, right? His nature and character is to find the hurting and the dark places and and engage them, and if you follow him, he takes you there. But there's some real interesting questions from this passage, because if you follow him, and he went back to your circles— Would your circles be places of darkness that he could light up? If not, if you look around you and you're like, man, all I know are people who who know and follow Jesus, and there's, there's not really anybody in my circles, then what Jesus would do is take you to go find a dark place to light up, a place that needs help, a place that's sick. Something else about this, this sickness and need You know, Matthew comes on the scene in Matthew chapter 5, and he starts out the Beatitudes by saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And so one reason you can't help somebody who's, who's healthy, who thinks they're healthy, who thinks they don't need help, those people, no doctor's no good to them. And so recognizing that we are sick, that we are poor in spirit, that we are spiritually bankrupt, and that Jesus is the one that stepped into our life and, and like, that is brought life and hope to us gives us the opportunity to then have a message to take to someone else. And I think that's what was transformational for me about this. One, 
I think I, I grew up kind of thinking that I had maybe something different and those people were over there. And the more I began to realize that I was as in desperate need of Jesus' message and life as anybody else, anywhere. And so what I got from him and the life that he's given and the way he impacted and changed my story is good news. And I can't wait to pass it on to somebody else. What about you? This statement, go and learn what it means for you and your world right now, in your circle of friendships, what does it mean? In your understanding of who Jesus is and how he looks at you, have you looked at him as somebody who's looking down his nose at you? Or is he someone who would choose you to be on his team? The Jesus that the gospel reveal would choose you to be on his team. And then he would support you and empower you to draw others in that he loves as well. Let me pray that that would be true for us. Father, I'm, I'm asking you that uh, we would be a people, that I would be a person that would really understand how much you, you love and care. Because we're real quick to draw, draw barriers and to look down our nose. The, the lot of us We've got sin and disobedience all over the place. It's rampant. And some of those sins we see as worse than ours. And then somebody else looks at us and they see ours as worse than theirs. And some are socially acceptable and some aren't. But the truth is, a lot of us are broken. We're in desperate need of you. So, so I'm so thankful that you sought us out and bought us and gave us life. And I'm asking you that you would give us that humility and that desire to take that message and that love and to spread it everywhere so that you could show off your power and, and your greatness and your love. We ask it for your namesake. Amen.